bless each one that's here, Lord. Open each heart, each mind. Help us, Lord, just to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. He's so good, isn't he? Praise God. So glad we get to come together and celebrate Jesus Christ. We are a blessed people. Amen. Praise God. Today, our lesson is called Holy for a Purpose. And we are just finishing in our series of God's holiness and our holiness. And uh, just being set apart by God for a purpose, each one of us. And I'm so thankful. Um, as, we, as we start this year, I found this wonderful little, just a wonderful little thing, thought for this new year as we finish 23 and go into 24. It says, um, even though thinking on the subject of time may prove discomforting, it's not a bad idea, especially at the beginning of a new year. As we look to 2024, we look at a block of time. We see 12 months, we see 52 weeks, 365 days, and I'll just go to the hours, 8,760 hours. All is a gift from God. We have done nothing to deserve it, earn it, or purchase it. Like the air we breathe, praise God, time comes to us as part of our life. The gift of time is not ours alone. It's given equally to each person, rich, poor, educated, ignorant, strong, weak, woman, child. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Another important thing about time is that you cannot stop it. There's no way to slow it down. Well, God has done this. <laughs> Turn it off or adjust it. Time marches on. And you cannot bring back time. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yesterday is gone forever. If yesterday is gone, tomorrow may be uncertain. We look ahead at this full block of time, this year, 2024, and we really have no idea or guarantee that we will get to experience any or all of it. Obviously, time is one of our most precious commodities, possessions. We can waste it. We can worry over it. We can spend it on ourselves. Or as good stewards and Christians, we can invest in God's kingdom. Another full year of time. As we go into 2024 and the seconds tick by, you will be, will you toss time out the window? Or will you make every minute of the time count? Solomon, my voice, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, and he said this, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. In the New Testament, Jesus said it this way, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given unto you in Matthew 6, 33. And I found something so, I think it's wonderful to start this lesson today when we look at the story in the book of Daniel, 
And starting in chapter 3, verse 17, 18, I'm going to actually read that first. Daniel 3, 17, 18 says this. This is our key verse today for today's lesson. It says, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Three little words, but if not. In World War II, in late May of 1940, the German forces had closed in on trap and trapped more than 350,000 allies, so allied soldiers in Dunkirk. Kirk, France. Unable to evacuate, they were facing pretty much death. I mean, they were going to die. Um, the British commander cabled these three words back to London, but if not. Those three little words ignited a spirit of faith and courage in the leaders of Great Britain, the English military, and the British people. Those three words became the battle cry of a nation. They were written on everything from posters to school books, and they were spoken by the young and the old. Those three words became a demonstration of faith and an expectation of fulfilled hope. Those three words caused the British people to remember the lesson from Daniel 3 that we're going to look at today and that strong faith of those three young boys. Um, so as we get into our lesson today, I, I am so excited. I, I, I just read it again with just new, new eyes. And I was like, wow, if this was the first time I'd ever heard this in my entire life, how exciting and amazing this story is that we have as an example. Um, God gives us the strength to live a holy life. And this story is such a great example of these three Hebrews that were able to, with Daniel, live a life wholly separated unto God, not bowing down to the image and idols of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, had barricaded Jerusalem for nearly two years, breaching the walls of the city the Jews at that time, their morale plummeted as famine set in. They weren't able to get food, resources. There became more diseases, and people were afflicted with plagues. The food supply, in some historical books, said that some of them did resort to cannibalism because the food supply was so low. They were in misery. Their resistance, um, it wasn't long, and the Babylonians broke through King Nebuchadnezzar, the walls, pillaged, looted the city. Uh, many Jews were murdered. The walls, the temple, the whole city burned to ruins, destroyed. Those who were not slaughtered were taken as captives to Babylon. We think, wow, they're taken as captives. They're going to a palace. They're going to get to eat great food. They're going to be comfortable. Think about the terrible trauma. Those who were not killed or taken were left behind to live in ruins in Jerusalem. Um, just bleakness. King Nebuchadnezzar, also known as the one who destroyed King Solomon's temple, 
He was proud to have done this. He was glad he did it. He was so happy that he took that Jewish presence in the land of Israel away. It was gone. And he was, he declared himself next to God. Well, doesn't that sound a little familiar? And when we look back at the very beginning, Isaiah chapter 14, 12 and 14 says, Lucifer said this in his heart. Isn't that amazing? Lucifer said this in his heart, right? I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Lucifer said that in his heart. Well, we know that this will never be allowed by God then and today. Judgment was called upon Lucifer, just like in our story today, judgment was called upon the king. And this time, this was such a superpower, the nation that, that Nebuchadnezzar was ruling over. Um, we see in history these gardens of Babylon that were supposed to be the most beautiful things considered and compared to one of the seven wonders of the world or ancient wonders of the world. Amazing. The water system that they use, the, is it aqueducts and everything that they use to make it just a, a beautiful a, oasis, beautiful. These Hebrews, Daniel, after taken captive, had such, even after being taken captive, had such a huge ginormous faith in God that all four of them would not bow down to the image that the king had created. Um, they were taken because they were considered to be, and they were looking for this when they took captives, good-looking, intelligent. Um, the king had instructed them, his servants, to bring back people, children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, the young men, that had no blemish, that were intelligent, gifted in wisdom. So he brought them back. These three, I know I'm just going to keep saying, these three Hebrews did not bow. We are faced with many idols in 2023, going into 2024, many. And you know what? We're instructed to do the same, not to bow down to the idols of this world, to Satan's idols, to things that would take our focus off the one true living God. They chose to worship the one true God in him alone. And um, for today, we take a look at this pursuit of holiness and right living, and we look at the example of these three Hebrews. So we've read this story so many times. However, I ask you today just to think of it as maybe being the first time you've heard it, and maybe allow God to spark a hope in you, spark a faith in you that you had never, never had before when you hear the story again today. Um, that hope, and someone asked me about hope this week, hope being that Christian conviction that God will keep his promises. That hope that we have, that God will keep his promises. That, and we need to live in that faith and that hope that he is able and that he will keep his promises and as witnesses here we know that to be true and um, we can live in that and 
and embrace that. That trauma that Daniel and his three friends must have experienced when they were taken from their homes, I just can't even imagine, brought to a foreign culture, country, not having any contact with their families, not even having news of their families. The news they were hearing was from the palace. We destroyed Jerusalem. It's never going to be rebuilt again. It's just destruction, and basically we reign. It was just terrible for them. They've lost, they lost loved ones, family members, and they were made to study their culture, the literature, the lifestyle of the Babylonians. They were put right into it. They were, they were, they were put into it to the point of losing their names. Um, Hananiah's name was changed to Shadrach. Mishael's name was changed to um, Meshach. And Azariah's name was changed to Abednego. So what they did was they were given new names with new meanings that included names of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian gods. Nebuchadnezzar could change their names, but he couldn't change their hearts. Thank God. Even while having the names of the Babylonian gods, the boy's trust was still in the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It remained steadfast. And I'm going to say today that the enemy does use the same tricks. He still tries to steal our identity, who we are in Jesus Christ. He used that trick back then. He's using it now. You know what? We have an identity in Jesus Christ. Through our water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, we have been born into, after receiving the Holy Ghost, we have been born into a family of God, into the kingdom of God. And the enemy comes in, and he, he comes in when we're usually tired, <laughs> sick. He just rattles on and on. These young boys stayed true to the one true God. And I think that's so beautiful. While in captivity, these young men found ways to resist the life that the palace offered. They, choose, they chose to remain and keep their distinctive Jewish identity. They chose not to eat the king's meat. We can go into all the reasons why. But they chose to remain committed to living a holy and separated life, a life of prayer, a life of dedication, these four Hebrews were divinely positioned by God. I thought of that, and I thought, man, you know, they were there for, in the book of Esther, as we would say, such a time as this. They were positioned by God. And you're thinking, okay. <laughs> it was God who gave them the knowledge. It was God who gave them the understanding all of us given a chance to go on Babel and learn a new language, how, how does that go? <laughs> Maybe not so well, but they had knowledge. They had understanding. Daniel had a vast, broad knowledge, great knowledge. The Bible says it was broad. He excelled in literature, in science. You know, and I think it wasn't just that there were four Hebrew boys brought to, into captivity. There were many. Um, historians agree 
that there were the high, I did so much research on numbers, but historians agree that the highest number would have been maybe in one of the sieges, and there was three sieges, about 20,000 or about 25% of the population was brought back to Babylon. So these weren't the only four Hebrews in Babylon, but these were the four that stood true to God because the pressure to conform was great. It was getting greater and more challenging. With the image that the king made, it became even harder. It became, because then it was a demand for worship. Nebuchadnezzar demanded worship. Babylon demanded worship. Our world demands worship, right? It was a demand for worship. The king made this golden image. It was um, the, the decree to bow down to this image was made by the king, and it was a way to satisfy his great, big, prideful self. The statue was 90 feet high and nine feet thick. Yeah. And it was set up in the plain of Dura, and it was set up in a place where people could see it from afar. The worship, and to worship the image basically was honoring and worshiping Nebuchadnezzar as God, which we know if we go back to the laws of Moses, the first two, breaking those two first, number one commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Second commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And the threat for not bowing down to that image was to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And it wasn't just a furnace he had sitting there waiting. He had it made for this occasion for those that did not bow down. So he had already planned, I'm going to just throw them in the furnace if they don't bow down. But these three Hebrews did not bow. And I'm sure that was not without notice. People watching them while they were in captivity, not eating the king's meat, would have noticed that. They would have noticed that he didn't, they didn't bow down to the image because these particular Hebrews, these Jews, were put over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay, If you were a Babylonian and these captives come in and they're put over your affairs, oh my, uh, Okay, <laughs> so you could see how they were already on end with each other. But these three Hebrews knew that God was able to deliver. We also know, probably like they did, God doesn't always deliver us. God may allow us to go through something to build our character to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith in him. And we can say for reasons that we may never know until glory. We just have to trust that God knows best. We may not always understand the purpose, but God does ask us to simply trust, and he asks us to trust him. Amen. Job, remember Job? With all of his trials, loss, trouble, suffering, um, pain, agony. Ugh. I think of him scraping boils with like play, clay pots just for relief. Just, ugh. just all of the things he went through, the loss of his, 
okay, you know, all of his animals, okay, that's a loss. But when you think of everyone in your entire family, everyone, and you're left alone with your friends, he said this, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. These Hebrews, they showed absolute confidence in God. They knew their God was greater than King Nebuchadnezzar and that God was able to deliver them. And I think that just growing up and hearing the stories of God's deliverance from time after time, what God did for the Jews, the Hebrews, they would have had this faith that was just bubbling up inside of them and growing and thinking, you know what? My God can deliver. <laughs> and if he doesn't, you know what? He, you know what? I'm still going to trust him. God, God calls us to be separate. He calls us to be separate for a reason. We may never know for what reason this side of glory. And I say that's okay. <laughs> Those Hebrews took a stand and they said, if it be so, God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Either way, whether God can or can't, whether he does or doesn't, their decision had been made. They would not bow. Praise God. King David spoke similar words when he said in Psalms 34 and 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. To bless the Lord at all times means that in all things, at all times, I will trust him. I will have confidence in his protection, his love over me. And David's faith could be compared to the faith of the three Hebrews who boldly stood up to the most powerful king in the world at this time. There was no one greater than King Nebuchadnezzar at this time. He, those Hebrews stood up to the most powerful supreme ruler of the time, which is amazing to me. The three Hebrews were thrown into the furnace. They did not bow down. The king ordered the Hebrews to be thrown in. He was in such a fury and rage that they did not bow. He was so mad. Okay, we can understand. Maybe we've been mad sometimes. It's like, <laughs> you're going <in> now. <laughs> they were put in. Normally, they would go in without their clothes on, but they were thrown in clothes on all into the blazing furnace. The fire was so hot, so hot that immediately it killed the soldiers assigned to throw them in. And he had ordered his strongest soldiers to tie them up and throw them into the fire, his strongest. Imagine, like, I don't know, Iron Man or whatever. The strongest ones, right? The king um, gazed into the furnace, which makes me think he must have had something in his heart to think, well, why would I even stick around and see if these three burn up or not? Why would I even be here? There must have been something. He gazed into that furnace to see the flames consume those three boys, and what he saw amazed him. The men who had been tied up were walking around in the furnace, unbound, no, 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 nothing to tie them up. Instead of seeing three men in the furnace, 
he saw four, and he said the fourth was like the Son of God. When the king saw this, he called to the Hebrews to come out of the furnace. And in giving this order for them to come out of the furnace, he called them servants of the Most High God. This is this ruthless, nasty, non-believing in the one God king that ever lived practically. And this remarkable admission that these three faithfully serve the one true living God. It was remarkable. Up until then, the king believed that his Babylonian gods were superior to Yahweh. Although he had really, although he had really acknowledged Yah- Yahweh as God when he took the captives from Judah, think about it. He took them. They were precious to him. He took the, he took the vessels from the temple before he destroyed the temple. Think about that. He saved them. He kept them. He knew there was something special about them. But his gods could never deliver anyone from a fire pit, let alone a furnace. And you know what? As earlier said, he said their God was able to deliver them. The three of them said their God was able to deliver them from the fiery furnace. Not even the smell of smoke was on their clothing. There was not a hair singed on their body. How many of you have been singed just by being near a campfire? (laughs) And you can't go home without... Well, actually, I should say, when we went to the live nativity before Christmas, it was snowing. And when we went, we got home, and I was like, we don't smell like smoke this time. It was the snow, you know, in the air. It probably cleaned the air, and we didn't have that smell of smoke on us, which was amazing. That was so nice. Um, Not even the smell of smoke. The only things that were missing was the ropes that bound them. Praise God. You know, praise God. God still keeps, he keeps delivering us. He keeps us during our fiery trials, our fiery furnace trials, removing chains that the enemy has put upon us. Um, the enemy tries, God does greater. <laughs> the, God does greater. When King Nebuchadnezzar witnessed this miracle, he proclaimed, he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. Then the king kind of answered his own question that, you know, earlier he said, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He had asked those boys, who is the God who's going to deliver you out of my hands? Well, it was the one true God. But the king went one step further. Besides reversing the decree for those who did not bow to the image, he commanded, get this, 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 this king, who was not a God-fearing king, commanded all the people not to say anything against the God of the Hebrews under penalty of death. He recognized that there is no other God that can deliver anything like this, anyone. Um, and as a result, he decreed that these three young men were to be held in honor 
and that anyone who dishonored their God would lose their life. Not only lose their life, it's kind of gross, but it goes into being cut into pieces. Their house would be burned to rubble. And, you know, so he's just like, <laughs> it was just. And then he promoted these three to greater honor and power in the kingdom. Just think, would this decree ever have been reversed or the Babylonians commanded not to say anything against the Hebrews if the three did not believe wholeheartedly in God to keep them, to deliver them? Think of how the faith of just a few affected so many, just so many people. And you know what? For them, at that point, it was like, if it meant death, so be it. That was their trust and faith in God. Our lifestyle of holiness is powerful. When I say our lifestyle of holiness, our lifestyle of being set apart for God's service, for God's purpose, is powerful. Remember that people who never get to speak to you are still watching you. And you know what? They're watching you when you go through hard times. They're watching to see how you handle it with your God while you're going through hard times. Um, Your constant faith, your constant stand for God, your constant life speaks louder to them than you could ever imagine. It's so powerful. And doesn't he deserve, the Lord deserve, our wholehearted, all of us, our faith, our hope, our love, all of it. No matter how large or how small an idol may be, nothing should ever be put in the place of our God. Unlike in the days of Daniel, most of the idols then were something in a form, an image, a graven image. But the idols that we have today are not necessarily giant statues, 90 feet tall, 9 feet thick. Um, They don't even have to take a physical form. God doesn't tell us that fiery trials will not come in the life of the believer. However, we are assured in his word that he is present with us. He is for us. He is with us. He is working on our behalf even when we can't see it. Guess what? Even when you can't feel it. Even when you think he's not. It's our blessing and it's our privilege. It's it's our blessing and it's our privilege to experience and live in that transforming power of Jesus Christ and the opportunity then to share it with others family, friends, neighbors. We have new neighbors we got to meet this um, holiday, which was very nice. I'm so glad. We should get to know our neighbors. They should get to know us. It's very good. He's always with us in the fire. He's with us. Trusting in God, standing with him. Praise God. We collectively may be the blessing that someone has been praying for 
to come into their life. When that soul is hungry and desiring more than this world offers or more than the enemy has given them, there's a cry in their heart and their soul. And you and I may be that very person that God is going to place into their lives. And that we would be ready with a spirit of love, compassion, consideration for what God has done for us, that we can bestow that to them. And we can agree like Solomon for the year 2024. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Let's trust. We can trust God. Trust him and not be anxious for anything. Scripture says, rather bring up all of our requests to God while giving thanks. Amen. It's so easy to let the world sidetrack us, to let busyness and life sidetrack us, but ultimately every day we have a focus. We have a purpose. We have a a hope of eternal life with Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to remember which um, one of the evangelistic ministers passed and in his one of his papers found in his desk, Lonnie might share, what was the name of the pastor? He's, he had a letter that was written. He said, if you're reading this right now, I am with Jesus Christ in my heavenly home because that was his letter, Billy Graham. And I was like, oh, my word. I started reading that letter. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're doing this for a heavenly home to be with the Lord Sometimes we lose track of what we're doing things for. It's not out of ritual or tradition, but out of this powerful love in our hearts that we have for our Lord. And, you know, trusting him in this next year for things and not worrying about things that we shouldn't be worrying about, it's just focusing perspective again. Wow. Perspective is that slap across the face that makes you go, oh, okay, you know, why worry about the petty things, the small things? Life is short. It's like a vapor, the Bible says. And I always share with my family, I just don't want to have any regrets. No regrets with anyone, any, anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Just no regrets. To live a peaceable, good life for the Lord, share that with others, and enjoy the blessings of God's goodness to us. We can remember, though, first two commandments um, the Lord told us in the New Testament. We're supposed to love each other just as the Lord loved us. We must love one another. He says that this is how everyone will know that we are his disciples when we love everyone. You know what? When all else fails, love. <laughs> love. <laughs> um, in the words of Paul, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart, he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. We do not lose heart, though outwardly, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, 
For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't we serve a great, big, wonderful God? Praise God. And, you know, starting with that, those three little words from the World War II, but if not, but if not, just as those three young Hebrew boys faced what seemed to be an inescapable fate, really, so did the Allied forces in Dunkirk in 1940. For reasons unknown and still widely debated, the German forces halted, giving time for the Allied forces to evacuate out of France and go back to Great Britain. And it was a miracle that the British people had prayed for and expected and was the same faith that is recorded in Daniel chapter 3. My God can and my God will, but if not... God bless you today as we celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ and bless you as we enter into a brand new year to love and serve him. Amen. Praise God.